0: we are doing just a three-part lesson on specifically the grace of God. And last week we talked about, in the life of a man by the name of Mephibosheth, the grace of God is favor bestowed when wrath was owed. Today I would like for us to take a look at another Old Testament account to see the principle of the grace of God at work with this statement right here, wash and be clean. It's interesting to me that you don't find the word grace in this context, but it's there. And in fact, you start off and you take a look at a man by the name of Naaman, who is a commander, as he's described there in verse 1, of the Syrian army. He is a man of valor. He is a man of action. He is obviously the commander of the king's army for a reason. But note the word that's right there at the very end of uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. The very last word that maybe incurs here in your English Bible is this legacy, He is a mighty man of valor. He is the captain of the king's army, but he is a leper. And I can't help but immediately draw my mind back to Mephibosheth. And you know that Mephibosheth, a man who received favor when wrath was owed, he had another legacy that was similar to that. Mephibosheth was a man who, well, he was lame in both of his feet. And every time he's described, it seems like just about every time, it has that legacy. You know Mephibosheth, the man who's lame in his feet. And even though Naaman might have been a mighty man of valor and the captain of the king's army, he had this stigma that was attached to him repeatedly that was, he's a leper. Doesn't that immediately draw a parallel or a idea to you and me in our lives? about how it is that we might be able to achieve wonderful, great things here in this life, things that the world might look at and say, this is honorable and this is noble and this is amazing that somebody is able to do this. But we still can't get rid of the fact that we've got this impairment, we've got this disease that's called sin. Andy might be, by men's standards, a great name and have achieved a great legacy, but. Folks, there's nothing I can do about the problem that I have with sin. And so it is that you might be able to be somebody great here in this life, but the legacy that's going to matter and the one that we need to deal with is the one that might describe well each one of us, and that is we are sinners. Naaman, a man who is a mighty man, a man of Assyrians, a, man, a, a, a mighty man of valor, a captain of the Syrian army, is described as a leper. Spoiler alert, Naaman obeys the commandment of God, and Naaman receives cleansing for his leprosy. That's the end of the account that Kenny read just a few moments ago, verses 14 and 15. He receives that cleansing that he so desired as a leper. But I want you to understand this aspect of God's grace, especially seen in a man like Naaman's life. Yes, it is favor bestowed when wrath was owed, but look at this aspect of it, and you're going to look at it and say, well, that's just so simple that you might be tempted to discount it. Please don't do that. This is the principle that we're studying from this morning. Grace is a gift that must be received. Grace, God's grace specifically, is a gift that must be received. And if you'd like to, you can insert the words, by faith, at the very end of the statement and it wouldn't make it any less true. Grace is a gift that absolutely must be received and received by faith. Let me offer this simple illustration as we get started, and maybe this will bring into clarity just a little bit easier for all of us. I have a $5 bill here this morning, and I'm going to say He that raises his hand and waits for me to call on him will receive the $5 bill. We have a taker. Mr. Blaine, stand up, please. Come here. See, this could have been yours. (laughs) You weren't quick enough. (laughs) Blaine, you responded. Here's the $5 bill. Let go. Let go. (laughs) Wait. Let's establish that. What's your name? His name's Blaine, okay. Blaine, did you do anything to earn this? All right, was that anything to earn it, though? Okay, did you pull weeds in my yard for six hours in order to receive this? Would you like to? Okay. Are you sure? (laughs) There's a lot of weeds. Blaine, this is a gift. Is that right? What did you do to receive it? He raised his hand. He waited for me to call on him. It's your $5 bill. No, no, no. Ask me again. I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted a little bit. What Blaine received was a gift. It was a gracious gift because I didn't have to give $5 to anybody, did I? And generally I don't. Right? But you understand that giving a gift, I also put down conditions for somebody to receive that gift. Blaine was the one that responded, he waited for the conditions to be met, and he received the gift. As you look at Naaman and his example, brothers and sisters, we understand the principle that grace is a gift that must be received. Here are five points from Naaman's life that show something or this aspect of God's grace for us this morning. And I hope it is that you'll take notes on each one of these and realize that we have to do something in order to receive the gift that God gives us. Number one, in wanting to receive cleansing, and hearing command, wash and be clean, there are some people that will go to the wrong source in order to try and receive God's grace. There are some that will go to the wrong source in order to try and receive the cleansing that God gives. If you'll note that there in uh, the first three verses of 2 Kings chapter 5, it says, that it offers the, the legacy of Naaman that he was a leper, but it also says that he'd gone out on raids and he'd gone into the land of Israel and he'd brought back this little Hebrew girl, this little Hebrew slave. And thankfully for him, she came in, became the servant of his wife, And as she became the servant of his wife, she grew to care enough about him to say, if only my master knew that there is a prophet in Israel that can do something about his leprosy. There's somebody that he can receive. Well, that's all that Naaman needs. He goes to the king of Syria and he says, hey, send me down to Israel. And the king sends him with his lavish gift and sends a letter by Naaman's hand to go to the king of Israel and say, here is my servant, make him clean. Oh, the king of Israel doesn't like that much. He's looking at this, if you look at verse 7, and it says that he thinks that the king of Syria is, is, is trying to create a quarrel with him, a war. It's almost like a declaration of war. to Say, unless you make my commander well, we're going to war with you. And both, or all three, Naaman and the king of Syria and also the king of Israel don't realize that there's somebody that can make a difference in this man's life. I don't know why, because if you look at Elisha's legacy up until this point, he had already done a number of things that were worthy of repute and worthy of uh, notoriety to say, here is somebody that can make a difference. But they were ignorant of the prophet that God had sent. I wonder sometimes, as far as a parallel goes, about how many people try and do so many different things religiously in order to try and receive the forgiveness of their sins, in order to try and receive grace from a deity. And they do all of those things in ignorance because they don't know the prophet that God has sent. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says that God, in various times and various ways, in times past, spoke to the fathers by the prophets. This is valid here in 2 Kings chapter 5. That's the way He did things back then. He said, but He has in these last days, what last days? The ones we're living in? The last days, the Christian age, he has spoken to us by a son of whom he has appointed heir of all things. The one that this world so badly needs to understand and needs to know is the source for our cleansing and the source of God's grace for you and me and for our lives, and that is Jesus Christ. He is God's final solution for the problem of sin. He is the manifest will of God and God's grace saying anybody that wants forgiveness. Anybody that wants freedom from this dreaded dreaded disease, this this sin that so easily besets us, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. He's for the taking. But some people are more content to go to the self-help aisle of their local bookstore. Or they're so much more content to trust the man on TV without really ever checking to see if The man on TV is speaking the same words that Jesus is speaking. Some people are more interested in blindly following a man who stands in my position and preaches the word of God from week to week and say, well, I'm putting my faith and my trust in that man. He said that I have forgiveness without really ever checking to see what the prophet of God said. Did you ever think that I might be ignorant about certain things? I am. I am. But when we talk about salvation, brothers and sisters, it's a matter of opening up and helping people to contact and go to the right source with regard to cleansing and with regard to salvation. Some people only go to what they know. But if they're not going to Jesus and studying the life of Jesus as God's gift to mankind, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and following, then they're going to the wrong source. Number two. In seeking to wash and be cleansed, to receive the grace of God, there are some people that are only looking for the experience. There are some people that are only looking for the experience. Naaman goes and he uh, Elisha sends to the king of Israel and says, King, send him my way. King sends Naaman down. And think about this just for a moment from Naaman's perspective. Naaman thinks... Here's this prophet, and he knows I'm a mighty man of valor. He knows I'm the captain of the Syrian army. Surely he's going to come out and do some great thing. You ever go to a magic show? I remember David Copperfield being very big whenever I was a teenager and, and thinking about how everything that he did, there was showmanship involved, and there was some kind of experience that he was offering. It wasn't just pulling the rabbit out of the hat. It was, you know, the rabbit had to be three feet tall or something in order to try and uh, to, to wow people. And Naaman doesn't even have the privilege to stand in Elisha's position. He's standing there at the door of his house. All all Elisha has to do is open up the door and go out and wave his hands over him. That's what Naaman thought. And instead, Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends a servant out to Naaman and says, Go wash in the Jordan and you'll be clean. And note the indignation Naaman expresses. Where's the show? Where's the powerful spiritual experience? Where's me being raised up like beast at the end of Beauty and the Beast and all the swirly twirlies and the the sparklies that come around and changes me from leprous to not leprous? I thought at least he would come out and have the decency to face me like a man. He had the opportunity for the grace. But Naaman was mad because the experience didn't match his expectations. Isn't that true that when we have disappointment in our lives, it's usually because we've got these expectations that are set up and those expectations are not met. Those expectations are not matched. And so it is, you have disappointment that occurs, but then in Naaman's case and sometimes in our cases, we get upset because we didn't feel anything. We didn't have this experience. And there are some people today that even mirror what Naaman is doing. I had a lady post on our neighborhood page on Facebook. We've got one for Briarwood Crossing and she posted and said, I want a church where it is that I can feel something in the music. I can feel something when 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 it is that the preaching occurs, that I can feel stirred and and lifted up and all these things. And and she's looking for this experience. And she says, I'm not going to be a part of a church that doesn't give me that experience. What are you looking for? Brothers and sisters, something is spiritual because God says it is. It may not give us the warm fuzzies and the, 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 the pricklies on the back of our neck every single time we come in, but it's something spiritual because God says it's spiritual. And when we just want to look at the experience and say, you know what, that doesn't cause me very much warm fuzzies, so I don't want to be a part of it, are we really looking for the grace of God or are we just simply looking for the experience? What do we want? Are we angry? Sometimes when the song leader doesn't sing the song we want him to, are we angry sometimes that the preacher, all he ever does is just preach the Bible? he He doesn't ever tell any stories, make us feel good, give me a pat on the back. Please understand that those things certainly have a place, but if that's all we're looking for, we've missed it. We've missed it. Some people in seeking cleansing and seeking the grace of God are only looking for the experience. Number three. Some people need convincing in order to be obedient. Some people need convincing in order to be obedient. I appreciate that Naaman had people in his life like that Hebrew slave girl. And how it was that she cared enough about him to say, if only my master, if he only knew that there was a prophet in Israel that could do something about his condition. That's all Naaman needed was just to go into. Go and uh, seek that out. I appreciate her for saying those things. I appreciate the fact that Naaman, even in his wrath, had servants that were brave enough to stand up to him and say, Master, listen, let's reason just for a moment about this. If he had told you to go do some great thing, if he had told you to cut down this tree and, and build a house right here and a monument to God, would you have done it? And the answer is, well, yeah, he would have. The rhetorical question is, yes, I would have done some great thing. But Naaman, and only looking for the experience and saying, why can't I just wash in these better rivers? I have a better way. Why can't I just do that? The servants pointed back to the fact and say, listen, Naaman, you can receive the grace that's right here in front of you. Do what God said. Do what the prophet said. He needed that convincing in order to be obedient. Folks, there's a blessing to pointing people like the servant girl to God. There's blessing in being able to say, why don't you come and worship with us? Why don't you come and experience our Bible class? Why don't you come to the fellowships that we have and see the love that exists here in the people at at, at Graver Road Church Christ here in Rosenberg, Texas? Why don't you come? Come and see. There's a blessing in that. But unless we help people to contact the words of Jesus... And say, this is what the Lord requires of you. Here's God holding up his grace for anybody that wants it. But here's the conditions that need to be met in order for you to receive that grace. Well, now it's different because you have people that are only looking for experience. You have people that are maybe rebellious. I don't feel like I need to do that. I know what God said, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that I need to do that. I don't think I need to behave that way. But contacting the Word and saying, just do what He said. Just do what He said. The reason why we use the mantra, the New Testament says, Jesus said, the Bible says, the will of God is, is because, brothers and sisters, there are people that need to be obedient to what He said. Because it's not about what you think or what I think. It's about what He said that's going to make the difference. And we all, if I can drop this off by way of application, we all need to be people that are convincing others to simply just do what it says. Master, just obey. You know that you would have done some great thing because he just told you to go and wash in this nasty, dirty Jordan River. Just do it. Just wash and be clean. Number four. In wanting to receive grace, some will be obedient. Some will be obedient. Naaman could have, at this point, threw up his hands, left in a huff. (sighs) I'm I'm sorry, I'm just not doing that. I know what the prophet of God said. I wish I could have seen him face to face. I wish it was that I could have uh, had him wave his hands over me and do some great things. Because he didn't, I'm out of here. Truth of the fact is, he would have lived the rest of his life as a leper that leprosy would have never left him because he had the offer of God right here. He had the commandment of God to receive the cleansing right here. But it was that if he had walked away from that, that offer probably still would have stood, but he would have rejected that. But because he was obedient, because he received that offer, he received that cleansing that he so badly wanted, and I'm sure his household wanted, and I'm sure certainly the king of Syria wanted. That offer was made available to him, and because he was obedient, he was cleansed. There are people that you will encounter in this life that even though you can open up the Bible and you can point to book, chapter, and verse, and you can lay out the plan of salvation for them, and you can help them to understand that it's only those who obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that will receive his grace, and you can talk about those things, and you can reason with those things, but there will be people in your life that will say, no, I don't want that. Went on a mission trip years ago to Jamaica, and one of the worst things that you could have happen was have somebody as you're reasoning through the Scriptures and talking about the Gospel. And yes, yes, I understand that. Yes, yes, I want God's mercy. Yes, yes, I want God's grace. Yes, I want everything that God promises me. All those spiritual blessings that He's promised to those who are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Yes, I want those things. All right, are you ready to confess Christ? Are you ready to repent of your sins? Are you ready to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? That's the message. That's how you receive the grace. No, not today. No, not today. Why? Well, because I've got this party that I'm going to go to tomorrow. Well, because I've got these people that are in my life that I'm not willing to separate myself from. They understand the meaning of the word repentance. They understand Jesus is Lord. They understand the necessity of baptism for the forgiveness of sins, but they're going to look at the grace of God and say, yeah, I see that, but I'm not going to raise my hand using our illustration. But look at this point just for a moment. Number five, it is only those who are obedient who will be cleansed. It is only those who are fully obedient that will be cleansed. Naaman didn't earn anything. Naaman didn't earn his salvation. He did not merit his salvation. But as he humbled himself, maybe took off his outer clothes, and went down there into that nasty, dirty Jordan River. Can you imagine the scene just for a moment? He goes down in the water first time, comes back up. You know what's still there? It's leprosy. He goes back down into the water again and comes back up. You know what's still there? It's leprosy. He goes back down a third time, comes up. I don't know if it was a gradual thing. I don't know. If, I would imagine that it's all at once after the seventh time. Three, four, five, six. And as he goes down that seventh time, he comes up and his skin, well, his skin is clean this death sentence of what leprosy is, about how it caused the body parts to fall off, to rot. It was so debilitating and so contagious that they would often have lepers remain in a colony off by himself. And can you imagine Naaman going home and visiting his wife and children for the first time and being able to take off the mask or whatever it was that he wore to hide his infirmity, being able to hug his wife, without fear that he was going to give her this dreaded disease. Being able to hug the little Naamans in his house. To being able to not have his army be afraid of him physically. And as he came up, he was completely cleansed. But it required Naaman being obedient. It required Naaman to be fully obedient to the commandment of God. If you want an extra point, point, this is for free, Naaman was changed because of the grace of God. Naaman's life was different because of the grace of God. You remember what happened after this? He goes back to that man of God with that lavish gift. Elijah, Elisha, rather, now comes out and greets him. And he says, here, will you take this? I'm devoting this and more to you. I want to take this earth back to me, back to Syria, so that I can worship the Lord. I want to take this with me because I realize the greatness of the gift that I've received. And it is that when I go back to Syria, I want you to know that I'm going to worship God. I'm going to honor Him. The grace of God changed Naaman's life. The grace of God made him a different person. A person who fears God. A person who relishes in worship. But a person who is eternally grateful and wanting to give his all back to the Father. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? As beneficiaries of the grace of God, as people who have received it, who have been made clean, who have washed, and who have obtained this great and precious promises, the grace that God offers, does that describe you and me? You love to worship. You love to say, thank you, Lord. You love to say, I am, by the grace of God, what I am. I once was snared by sin, but now I'm free. I once was dying because of my sin. And under sentence of death, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. But God has made me alive. How does your life show that change? Wash. And be clean, and live your life to the grace and glory of God. It would be one thing if I could hold up salvation. Now, you know, if I had a million dollars to hold up, and Blaine raised his hand, I would like to think that I would be big enough to give him the million dollars if he responded the commission, the the conditions of that of that of that money. And you think about how great it'd be maybe to have a million dollars in your pocket and to think about how that could change your life and how that would benefit you further on. God has given us something far more important and far more lasting than a million dollars. God has given us something that will not only change your life now and make your life abundant, as Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, but something that will... Bless your life now and give you an inheritance in the life to come. And God says, here it is. Peter would say, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, if Peter had treated baptism like a lot of people do today, he would have said, repent and believe in the name of Jesus and you'll receive the gift of salvation. And then later on be baptized, because baptism is really not that important. Jesus knew it was important when he connected it together in Mark 16, 15 to 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus places that condition firmly where it is that he wants it. Firmly in the condition of God to receiving that grace. The person that wants to needs to repent of their sins, Acts 2, verse 38, to believe the gospel, Mark 16, 15, and 16, and to be baptized for the remission, the removal, for the forgiveness of sins. And brothers and sisters, the grace of God can change your life like it changed Naaman's, like it changed mine. Like it changed yours. Here it is. Metaphorically. Here it is this morning. Ready for the taking. Are you ready to take it and let it change your life? Won't you make it known as we stand and sing our song?